0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Keep It Real with Rachel Sinclair. I'm your host, Rachel, and today my guest is Dr. Heather Thompson-Day. Heather holds a PhD in higher education administration, and she's a communications professor at Colorado Christian University. Heather is a speaker and the author of several books, including her latest called It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While Waiting for Your Breakthrough. This releases on June 29th, and you are going to want a copy. Today, Heather and I talk about this subject of what to do when you want something, but you don't have it yet. I think we've all been there. We also talk about jealousy, about high standards, the science behind the power of words, gratitude, and more. Heather has so much wisdom to share. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Heather Thompson Day. Heather, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, about your family, what you do, where you live, for anyone who is not familiar.
1: Yeah, so I live in Denver, Colorado, and I am a mom to three children, married to the cutest boy in my sixth grade class, and I am a professor of communication at Colorado Christian University. That's great. Yes, um, I think it's so funny
0: in your book, you talk about how social media is a connecting point, And that's how I first was introduced to you with social media. I can't even remember the specifics, but I followed you for a while. And I think you just have a much needed blend of wisdom and compassion and strength, but empathy. And you know, that's, you just don't always find that. And so I, I paid attention oh, to you happy yeah, um, paid attention to you on social media. And then when I saw you had a book coming out, I was like, one, I'm going to get it. And two, I'm going to see if she'll come on my podcast. So I'm so <laughs> glad you said yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Well, let's, let's go in and talk about your book. Um, it's called it's not your turn, which yes. I think is such an interesting title. Cause don't we want to feel good and all warm and fuzzy (laughs) inside, but no, you, you come right out and say, it's not your turn. So tell us
1: what, what's the message and what brought you to write this at this time? So I was adjuncting. I, I, let me back up. I have been in school or I was in school from 2005 when I graduated high school all the way till, I think I got my PhD in like 2017 or 2018, something like that. Mm. And I never took a summer off. And oh, so man. I felt like I had done the work and it was time for me to reap the reward. And I was very faithful, great student, all that stuff. And then I could not for the life of me find a full-time job in higher, higher education. I was adjuncting for like five different schools, super poor. And I just remember feeling like such a fake or a just feeling so much shame because I'm standing in front of my students acting like I have it all together And inside, I don't have enough money to like buy groceries, you know, and it was so bad. My sister was actually dropping diapers off on my doorstep Mm. and then pretending it wasn't her. So (laughs) I'm just kind of in this space. And at the exact same time, one of my best friends since third grade called me, her name's Jewel. And she said, Heather, you're not going to believe what happened. And I was like, what? She's like, I just got hired by NASA. Oh. And I was like, that's right, <laughs> right? Like I'm choking uh. on the words and it's not that I wasn't happy for her. I was happy for her, but I was just so embarrassed and ashamed and sad for mm. me.
0: Yes, And
1: yeah. it was like, for the first time, I, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered, Heather, it's not your turn,
0: mm.
1: but it's hers. And so clap, like shut up and clap. <laughs> and so I did. And it was just something mm-hmm. for the for the next seven years. It was something that I repeated to myself a lot. It's not your turn, but it's theirs. And so show up for them. And so I actually don't think I really realized this until I was writing this book. But as I was writing down everything that I felt like I learned in my time of disappointment, I realized as I was writing the book that who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is. Mm. Because everybody hits the podcast light on for thousands of listeners. That doesn't mean you have character.
0: Mm -hmm. It doesn't
1: mean you have integrity. It doesn't even really mean that you love this work, right? Right. Everybody Mm -hmm. stands on stage for thousands of people clapping for them. That doesn't take anything special. Any of us would do it. Mm -hmm. How many people hit the podcast light on for 10 listeners who say, this matters to me? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I, I just, I'll say this too. I don't think we deserve hundreds if we haven't been faithful with five. And so I went through this process in my own life where, okay, it's not your turn. What can I still do? And how do yes. I find happiness and joy even here? Yes. And so I just remember this one day, I, I was going to teach a class. It was after lunch and I had just had lunch with a friend. I actually write about this in the book, um, Tassiana. And she said to me, you know, you keep thinking that your life starts there at your metaphorical there. And she's like, but Heather, like what life is right now? And it was like, for the first time, I really heard that. And I got goosebumps as she said it. And I walked across campus. There was like five students in this class. I had a full-time job by now, by the way, Mm -hmm. like five students in this class and and their heads are all on their desk. Nobody wants to be there. And I'm just like, "Mm, no, I'm going to teach this class as if I was anointed to be here. And Mm -hmm. I did. And after the class, one girl comes to my office and she just said, I'm, Hey, I just want to tell you, thank you so much because I don't even remember what I said, but something you said has given me the answer that I've been praying for for the last six months. And I just know now what I'm supposed to do after graduation. So thank you. And I just had this moment in my office where I was like, what if I had just phoned it in? Yes. Right. You know, their heads were down. What if I had just walked in and been like, "Mm, let's just do the bare minimum and get you guys out of here. And I've done that before. Right, right. And we and I realized, all have. <laughs> yeah. And I realized, like, how many times then have I robbed God or robbed the people across my path who are praying to see the hands of God in their lives of their answer from God because I didn't do my part. Right. That's, and so I, yeah. yeah. I love that.
0: I think it's so true for people in any stage of life. We, I mean, we always want, we're chasing what's next. And, what happens there and you talk about just how who you are now is who you will become, you know? So we, we think that, uh, we could be different over there. You know, once I get this, Oh, it'll be different, but no, really how I'm acting now is how I'm going to act. Can I tell you
1: Rachel, like I just did a podcast interview this morning and he was like, "What, uh, what did you say? Something like, you know, how do you get to a place where you're enough? And I was like, let me know. Because I, <laughs> where I am right now in my career, in my authoring, especially, I mean, I, now I have publishers calling me. I could not have fathomed that four years ago. And guess what? It's not enough. All the time, I feel like, oh, I should be doing more or this isn't going to be good enough. Or I, I am right now, like if everything quit right here, I am already leaps and bounds above where I was four years ago and where I ever thought I could be. And it still doesn't feel like enough because it just, the stakes just get bigger. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so so I think it's, I think it's okay to be honest about that. I think we should all be honest about that because what it does is it creates this standard for people that we always feel like we're falling short. And I just think like we are short. (laughs) It just is what it
0: is. (laughs) It is what it is. I think about that sometimes because I, so I'm Four years out of college and I wanted to come to Nashville for that was just my goal for so long. And I really Nashville I, is a great city. Thank you. I yeah. love it. I really do. And um, you know, the with different jobs and things, there were some times where I was praying, Lord, please, like I just want to be in Nashville. I'll just be happy if I'm in Nashville. And I, I am happy in Nashville and I'm <laughs> grateful but guess what? I want other things. And yes. sometimes when I'm driving, I'm a little bit, I live a little bit South of the city. And so when I'm driving in and i see that skyline, it just reminds me like, God answered that prayer. Yes. I need to be grateful for
1: what he's already doing in my life. You know? Absolutely. This is literally the conversation I have with God all the time. Cause I, I loved it. <laughs> when I was moving to Denver, I used to watch house hunters and I was like, I would only be happy if I was able to have a house like in the mountain, and my husband and I have a house that we could not afford only by the grace of God because of COVID actually. Um, mm-hmm. the offer that somebody else had put on it fell through. We ended up putting in an offer below asking price, and because it was COVID and people didn't know what was gonna happen, they gave it to us. Like we did not I wrote a nice letter just begging for it. He gave it to us, totally wow. out of our price range <laughs> in the actual foothills, and I cry all the time. Wow. <laughs> right. So it's like you never, you're always going to feel like you're falling short of something. And so we have to move the goalpost. And yes. I have to say it to myself all the time, mm-hmm. which is being faithful with what I have and where I am is success. Period. Yes.
0: Yes, being faithful. And and one thing that you really hammer home through your book is that it's not even about the thing, it's about God and um, I want to. I want to read one quote that I just loved. It's highlighted because it's in the back when I was reading from the actual book. <laughs> um, but you write, "What happens when we start to want something more than we want God? Is that God suddenly starts to feel distant? That thing we want gets closer and closer on our hearts, and God feels further and further away. But God didn't move; we moved God."
1: Oh, mic
0: drop. Um, (laughs) Tell us about that and the dangers of this line. And how do we know when we've crossed it of when, even if it's a good thing that we want,
1: becomes more than God. I mean, I'm going to assume, I I like to think the best of all people. I'm going to assume that most of us, it's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why it hurts. And that's why it doesn't make any sense. My prayers were, I didn't think at the time, were ever like, I never have prayed, oh, I just want to have so much money. Like that's not, I don't even care about money. So that's just never been my prayers have always been like, oh, I wanna, I wanna have a best-selling book, mainly because I want to be effective in everything I do, right? So I want to just know yes. that I can write a great book. And I to want probably to-, to glorify God through that best-selling book. Absolutely. Right? Yes. You know, these aren't bad things, but you know what? And I talk about this in the book. I had this moment where I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, You don't have to ask me to exalt you in anything and it was a, it was a eh, moment because, and I, and I actually felt, I realized I was like, Oh, those are kind of like Lucifer type prayers. Right. Put me as high. Right. And so I, I just have started trying to so much about life is like naming it and saying it out loud. And I think things lose its power when we can name it and say it out loud. And so if I'm jealous, I say it out loud. I am so jealous of this person's success right now. God help me to please help me to conquer that. I don't want to feel that way. Right. And I, I, I would assume that's most of us. None of us want to be jealous, bitter people. It happens because we keep trying to shove it down into the closet and don't <laughs> want anyone to see it. Right. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. So when I you know say, that, go ahead.
0: Oh, when you say, you say that out loud, do you say it out loud to yourself? Do you say it to someone else, like a
1: trusted friend or? Oh, wh- both. How, great. Okay, great both. question. Well, I always, I have this thing where I will go on walks and say to God the things that I would never say to even my closest friends or my husband. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: is, that's part of our relation. I highly encourage people to do that, to have God be your person. Mm -hmm. When I go on a walk and I'm like, I am so embarrassed that this thought has crossed my mind and I am asking you to please help me conquer that. Um, Just being honest with him has been very helpful for me.
0: Hey everyone, it's Rachel. I'm popping into the middle of the show to say thank you. It seriously means so much that you would take the time to listen to this podcast. My heart is that you grow closer to God, that you learn more about Him, and that you become filled with joy and purpose in who He created you to be. If you are enjoying this show, I humbly ask that you think about leaving a review. It can be short and sweet, like, "Enjoyed the show or great podcast. This really helps other people find me and supports the work that I'm doing here. Thanks again. And we'll go back to the show. Can you talk a little bit about the pat, like the science behind the power of words? I found this fascinating in your book because you bring that research element to it about how our brains really pay attention to words, even words that we say to ourselves.
1: Yeah. So your brain is, we should start here. Your brain is wired to think negatively. Mm. So, and, and that's how it survives, is to point out what's wrong so that you make it through life, right? This is bad, don't touch that. This is wrong, fix it. Right. Um, so we are all wired to think negatively. You have to teach yourself to think positively. Mm. And what happens when we think negatively is it releases dozens of st- stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters immediately. And I, I use the example in the book, it's actually from the book Words Change the Brain. But to neuroscientists, they say, just even seeing the word no, N-O, two letters, Immediately, within milliseconds, release dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters into your brain that immediately start disrupting your brain's ability to use logic, reasoning, communication. Mm-hmm. And so I, ever since I've started reading Word Change the Brain and understanding all this neuroscience, I'm like, oh, I have to be so careful at just even how I fight with my husband, the things I say to him. Because here's what's funny is you're fighting with somebody, but what you're actually doing is shutting down their ability to use logic reasoning and communication and yours. Two letters do that. What happens when we say you're stupid? Right. And do we say it to ourselves? You're never going to be good enough. I've said that to myself so many times. So what Mm -hmm. happens when we do that? It's horrible. So you have to train your brain to respond and interrupt those negative thoughts. I never want Christians. I'm not a fan of like creepy Christians who pretend like everything's great and it's wonderful and God is good. And it's like it is so clearly not good, right? Like the world is burning down around (laughs) you. And you're like, but amen to him. There's no problem at all. Yeah. uh... I don't recommend that. Um, But what you should do is you acknowledge the thought. So you say like, in the book, I say like, I'm afraid that someone's cheating on me or um, I have no money right now. You acknowledge it, but then you respond to it. So you have to give yourself, your brain something to stand on. Because by the way, um, your brain can't distinguish the difference between fact or fantasy. So once you say it, it's as real to your brain as the ground you're standing on. So once you say, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, he's cheating on me, it doesn't matter if you think, well, I'm just being dramatic, right? Your brain doesn't process it that way. It becomes as real as the ground you're standing on. So we have to be very careful with the messages we tell our brain. And then in the book, I say there's over 300 promises in scripture that are available to us, over 300 promises of God that are available to us in scripture our brain can't respond with things we haven't read. Mm. And so we have to know our word and we have to say it out loud and we have to claim it. And I've started to think like, maybe reading scripture isn't just about becoming more holy, but it's about actually just being able to respond to the attacks of the devil with the promises of God. And guess what? Once I say it, it is as real as the ground I am standing on. Right. So the Lord yes. goes before me, yes. becomes as real as the ground I'm standing on for my brain. We have got to start training our brains with scripture.
0: Uh, there's there's so many like routes I'm thinking of this because it's, it's like throughout scripture, you know, Jesus is the word, you know, in John one, he talks about God is the word. And then we also have, it reminds me of Deuteronomy where, you know, the Lord commands the Israelites to memorize this, teach it to your children, write it on your doorpost and um, elsewhere in the book, you talk about how the Bible and science complement each other, you know, and like we, I don't know, that's another subject. I'm going to yeah. try to stay focused here, but it's true. Like God knew that we need to to remind ourselves and meditate on this truth. Yes. And, um, and at the end of every chapter in your book, you give a scripture verse that people can focus on, memorize that has to do with what you've talked about. And i I think it's important because you're right it's not just oh think positive just declare it's good when it's not but it's remind yourself of
1: truthful words even when you're not feeling it so that, oh please don't that's a whole other conversation <laughs> feeling it because I oh. always have students that come in my office and they say but dr day I don't feel anything mm. and I say baby who told you you have to feel it yes you you' it's you don't have to feel it. And I, I've had this girl, she came to my office and she was crying and I've been praying. She said for three months and I don't feel anything. I said, sweetie, when did you wash your hair? Her hair was wet. When did you wash her? She had washed her hair like three hours before and it still wasn't dry. Mm-hmm. Like if it takes time for your hair to dry, <laughs> how much time do you think it takes to actually rewire your brain or change a destructive Ooh. pattern or change your, or believe that God is as good as he says he is? Are you kidding me? Like these things take time." Yes. And life is a journey. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we read scripture and I flip a page and Joseph's out of the pit and it's fine. No, there's 13 years in between. Yes. And we can't forget those in our own pits. It's actually normal. Yes. It is normal to find ourselves in long periods of like, I don't even understand what's happening right now. That's Okay. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. And it doesn't mean that you've sinned. And it doesn't mean that you've failed. It's life. Right. It's waiting on God's promises. Yeah. And and it's, yeah. And there's
0: good in the waiting. Um, There's one verse in Psalms. need to get better at the Bible memory, but it it talks about waiting expectantly for the Lord. And I love that image because we're not just waiting in vain. We're not just waiting on our, with our fingers crossed and on a positive hope, but we are waiting with expectation that God will come through.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's so much we can do while we wait. Like your life doesn't have to be on pause until things change.
0: Yes. Tell us, can you tell us some practical ways? Like, okay, I'm waiting on something. It's not here. What can I do today that will help me prepare for that, but also just be present and honor
1: God where I am right now? I think the biggest thing we can do is be present, Mm. is... I, I, like I said, for me, like teaching that class, wherever your sphere is, be faithful. And so much so that you say, I was anointed to be here. Mm. This is actually my calling to be here. I, I, Martin Luther King Jr. says, like, if you're a, a street sweeper, you sweep those streets so that all of heaven stops to pause and say, oh my goodness, we've never seen a more marvelous street sweeper. And I, I have tried for the last four years to just live in that space. So if a student comes in my office, it's not me looking at my phone or checking my watch. It's me fully saying the most important thing I'm going to do today is talk to this student. And how do I make them feel that? And then I also think taking the opportunities to make, like, just because you're not happy doesn't mean you can't make somebody else happy. And here's what happens, by the way, when you try to make other people happy, it makes you happy. <laughs> I did a, Yeah, I did an interview um, with Christina Kuzmic. She's Massive mom blogger. She was on Oprah, Good Morning America, huge. And she was she was telling me the story of how she was going to take her life. And her husband had left her. Um, she two small kids. She just said she didn't. She actually thought her kids would be better off if she were not here. And she's crying out to God. She's like, I am going to take my life tomorrow if you don't give me something to live for. And the next day she decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to. She's like, I can cook. She has like no money, but she's like, I'm a pretty good cook. So she calls everybody she knows. And she says, if you know anybody in the area who needs a meal, send them to my house on Thursday, I'm going to make a meal for anybody who wants it on Thursday. And so she makes the meal. And that first Thursday, just she, she's like in a one bedroom apartment. And she says it like, there's a line out her house of like homeless people off the street, like people who just showed up for a meal. And she says, I never contemplated taking my life again, because I realized in that moment, oh my goodness, even right here, nothing had changed in her life. Her husband is still gone. She's still getting a divorce. She's still poor. She's still in an apartment. But all of a sudden she realized, oh, my life matters even right here.
0: Yes. And it's like, you
1: don't, Yeah. You don't have to wait. And here's the other thing. We always, it's like, we, we always are like, Oh, I'm waiting on God to do something. But really what often happens is God stirs the heart of somebody to answer our prayer. Right. And I tell this story in the book of my vice president, I was, we, long story short, we had not been paid for like three months. We had no money. We had just moved living in campus housing when I took this job and my campus vice president calls me into his office. And he, I have, I, I still have no idea what would have made him think. Cause it's not like, I, I mean, I looked normal, but he calls me to his office and he's, he's like, Hey, I'm going to give you my um, cafeteria card. Cause I'm leaving the country for a month and I want, he said, like, you'll never be able to spend it all, but I want you to try. And I went home knowing that I didn't have a lot of money to buy groceries and just sobbed at like, I could not believe for the rest of my life. I will tell the story of how God answered my prayer, but guess what? It was actually my vice president, Kyle Oosry. Right. And I decided that God is present because of the actions of one man. And as you go through life, I can promise you right in your apartment complex, right in your neighborhood, right in your school, there are people praying, God, see me, God, hear me, God, show up for me. You think he's not going to send you? You think he's not stirring you? Get out of here. Like, I promise you within a mile radius of your house, there is somebody praying for help. Yes. And so how do we say, God, send me and use me and let me be faithful with the little bit that you've given me. And it makes all the difference. And it doesn't even at some point, I just came to this point where I realized this is actually just the end of this last semester. I was looking across my classroom and I just thought, you know, if this is the most I ever do is like teach a really good class to 30 college kids who say, man, this mattered. That's enough. Yes. Mm. And whatever that means for everybody listening and where you are, if you just show up for the people who are in your sphere, I promise when you step back, it'll feel like enough.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And for all of this, I I only scratched the surface of um, my questions, but I I hope that encourages people to read the book because it's wonderful and um, I just could not recommend it more. Is there anything else you want to talk about or say that we didn't mention today?
1: Um, Yeah. So here's the only other thing I would add. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the question you wish more people would ask you? And the question is, I wish more people would ask me about my failures. Because we don't see that. All we see online is highlight reels of everybody's perfect, fabulous, beautiful, gorgeous, filtered life. And then, but we know the truth about our own. And it just always feels like I'm not enough. I'm falling up short. Look at everybody else I graduated from college with. They're all doing it. It's just me, right? Mm -hmm. I want people to know. And let me just say this even with this very book. This book was rejected by every single publisher we pitched, every single Christian. I used to go to the bookstore and look at the Christian book section and say, I was rejected by this one and this one and this one. (laughs) I mean, I I could have a bonfire, every publisher, Mm. except the very last one. I I had changed the title. And when I changed the title, that very last one took the project. And I just want people to know, like, that didn't mean I wasn't supposed to write the book.
0: Mm.
1: Whatever rejection you're sitting in right now doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to that thing right and what if more than God is trying to give you success he's trying to give you a story that you can use to impact the people around you and to say to somebody else I have been there I have stood exactly where you're standing and I'm telling you you can get there from here yeah that's beautiful we'll end on
0: that note thank you so much Heather this has been a joy and I can't wait for everyone to read your book And I can't wait to go highlight the first part of my book as I reread. so (laughs) thank you so much Yes. Have a good day. Wow. I loved that. I hope you guys did too. Please go follow Heather. She is on Instagram at Heather Thompson day and on Twitter at Heather T day. Her new book. It's not your turn is available June 29th, wherever books are sold and you guys are going to want it. You can also win a copy, head on over to my Instagram, at one Rachel Sinclair, like the number one, not that I am number one, but Rachel Sinclair was taken. It's a long story. Anyway, if you want your chance to win Heather's book, head on over to at one Rachel Sinclair on Instagram and at Rachel Sinclair writes on Facebook. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next time.